Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. Y'all, we have been deep for these past few episodes. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. You hear me? Dark phrases of womanhood. I mean, it's felt very introspective and that's very necessary and very healing and all of those things. But I was like, you know what? We need to, we need to pick up the pace a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, just give a little bit, give some zhuzh, give some some energy into it. Because I I be forgetting sometimes I'm a comedian because we talking about shit that I don't really get to be funny in. So I was like, you know what? Let's do an episode that I can actually let a little more loose on. And so here we are with Side Effects of Living Together. Now. Earlier in this pandemic, we did side effects of living alone. So this episode is specifically, when, I, when we say side effects of living together, I think it's assumed, but I just to clarify, is living together with your significant other, which is a different thing than like just living together with your friend. And I really feel like, um, wait, wait, pause. Are you sure we don't have to specify that it's living together with- I really think it's implied when you say living together, we're living together. You wouldn't say that you, like- I wouldn't say me it's and Emily roommate. are living together. No, like, and be like, that's my roommate. Like, that's my roommate. Yeah. Fair. You wouldn't call your significant other your roommate. If you, if you do, that's a problem. You see what Rebecca's, what Rebecca's saying is legit. If you're calling your significant other roommate, um, well, the thrill is gone. You may have to buy some non-dairy whipped cream and, you know, figure some things out. You may have to get some, some champagne flutes. Uh, you know, may have to get some wine cracking, may have to put on some, some slow jams and, you know, just spice it, spice it up a little bit. May have to do that. Um, today's episode is inspired by, uh, like I live with my significant other and, you know, it's, it's just a different experience for everybody, but in talking to, you know, different friends and whatnot as research for this episode, you just hear the journeys that everyone goes to in cohabitating and in realizing that, you know, as we come together in relationships, like there's just so much more than just the physical coming together, even when you are physically coming together. Because cohabitating in a space doesn't just mean your physical body's in that space. It's your moods, it's your emotions, it's your mentals, it's your highs, your lows, all of those things in that space. How do you manage it? How do you keep it cracking? How do you not overwhelm or become overwhelmed? Well, let's talk about it because it's, um, it's something to talk about that's not going to kill us. Uh, because I feel like the stuff we've been talking about has definitely been like, we need to talk about this so that we don't like fall into the depths of a darkness. Speaking of which, uh, The Expanse on Amazon has a new season coming out. And if you are a sci-fi fan, 
make it your business. And if you've never watched it before, I urge you to watch the previous seasons before you watch the new season because you're going to be lost, lost. Okay? All right. Let's get into it. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. So this week's jam dropping is living together versus playing house. Now, this is very, very important because I don't know about y'all, but in my life, I have definitely had situations where I did not realize that somebody was playing a house with me or that I was playing house. And it can feel so good because you're just like, oh, look at us. Like we're like together all the time. But it's not the same as living together. Playing house means you guys are sharing space. Living together means you guys have planted roots. And planting roots is about commitment. It's about dedication. It's about consideration. It's about all the things, all the Asians. Playing house means you get to do this, that. Play around in the house. And when you're over it, you can keep it moving. And there hasn't been an expectation of obligation or responsibility. And that right there gets a lot of us in trouble because you definitely think, oh, well, by the actions that are taking place, we're doing this. But because it hasn't been specifically voiced or because it hasn't been like, um, what's the word I'm even looking for? Because it hasn't been demonstrated in a concretized way, like paying rent or like physically like moving shit in. It really isn't that. And what happens is it's like your heart and your energy connect with this person in a sharing space way, but they have not actually done that in a real way themselves. And so when shit goes left, it makes it that much easier for them to exit or for you to exit them. And that's some other shit too. Because a lot of us, have abandonment issues. A lot of us have our, you know, we have our space and we protect our space and we will wield our space like a weapon. And I know there's those of y'all who are in the car right now who have kicked a nigga or two out the house and you did it. And it wasn't even that you really wanted them to leave. It just felt like that was the highest form of, of weapon or of currency that you had to hold in the situation to let them know who the fuck is not going to get walked on. And nine times out of 10, I feel like there's a certain level of regret that comes from it because it feels like so um, final and it's hard to walk back from. And then you're also just like, well, damn, if I, if I kick somebody out, I can't just turn around and be like, hey, come back. Like, cause then I look like I'm not really about my word. And so sharing space can't be done lightly. It can't be done lightly. Living together, cohabitating is not done lightly. And that's how you know the difference between that and playing house. Because when you're living together, you're actually living together. Living together is more than just waking up and going to bed in the same bed. It's experiencing each other and life together. And it requires effort. And it's more than just somebody showing up in their convenient space. It's somebody showing up in their inconvenient space as well. And that's why It can't be just playing house where you can just play around and enjoy, ha, 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 and when shit gets sticky, you just go back to your place. Nah. When you live together, that means that it's not just your toothbrush there. It's your heart there. And 
you know that when you are in a living together situation, you're not just watering your roots, you're watering the other person's roots and those roots intertwine and make for a better space for you all to live in. And that is something you should protect. I just also like to add one more thing. Just because someone has the keys to your place does not mean they live with you. (laughs) I feel like it's very important because I feel like we do that. We like give somebody a drawer and we give them keys and they're able to come and go as they please. But that doesn't mean that they live with you. And I also don't mean that somebody's name needs to be on the lease or, or, you know, that they have to like share their name on the deed because of course there's a process, you know, there's a process through which we get to these points. I just feel like it's important to have this episode because especially in COVID, there's a lot of like stumbling into scenarios that a lot of us are in and we get comfortable and we don't necessarily take like, the intentional steps of clarifying what's happening. And so then we get frustrated when our expectations aren't met. Then we start setting up hopes that the other person has no idea are happening, et cetera. And I just, I've been in it before. I remember, you know what? I'll save it for that one time, but I got a story for y'all. Let's get into these DMTs. I already like these questions because I've been talking about politics and what's going on in the world so much. And we have to do that. That's necessary. It's important. Remember the Georgia runoff is coming up top of the year. The last day to uh, register to vote was last week, but it's all right. We still going to get this going. Y'all stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Let's get Mitch ugly ass turtle McConnell out of there. Okay. Now back to this episode. First question. My significant other and I live together, and she gets mad that I see my homie every other day for an hour or two. What can I do to compromise with her, or should I even compromise? Eek. I mean, one, one question is, is your homie a woman? Um, and the other question is, like, what is she mad about? So here's the thing. If you're compromising y'all's time together to go see that homie, then that can be frustrating because I don't know like the full specter of your relationship. Like, do you work a lot and then you take time out of like your free time to go see this homie that often? I don't know, but just on a surface level, I can tell you, I'm I'm pretty sure she's annoyed because she's like, why do you need to go see your friend that often? (laughs) I'm pretty sure she's just like, what? what is y'all's like what is why the necessity to see each other that often and i think that men do have oftentimes very different friendships than women um because y'all's friendships are our brotherhoods in a different way than our sisterhoods are experienced and you know i think when she's saying to you like why do you have to go see this person all the time it's probably like you know this is time that you could be using with for us and spending with us and you're 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 spreading it between me and somebody else and i guess some people might say that's needy but i would love to hear like why she has an issue with it because it's also like what are you doing with that time now see i had i had an ex who every week would go and go on the block and drink with his former hood buddies. Now he had since gone and got a master's degree in education and was the dean of a high school, but he still missed his thuggery days. And so he would go on the block of thuggery and be drinking a Cavassier with niggas named uh, Murder and and Freddie and and Kill. 
kill Kenny. And I'm like, so these niggas clearly are, are, are murdering people. This nigga's name is literally murder. Why are you hanging out with him? And I remember one time he came to my crib and he was like, yeah, we had, we had a fight on the block today. You're 36. You're 36. Why are you still on the block? I can end the sentence right there, but I'll keep going. Drinking. That's I could end it right there, but I'm gonna keep going with these riffraffs. Why? Because they've already decided that they don't want to elevate their lives. You decided to go elevate your life, and now you're willfully digressing, 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 regressing every week. And I was only 28 at the time that I was seeing this. And I wrote a song about it. It's the best song I've ever written in my entire career. It's called Manchild, produced by Ski Beats. I recorded it in Dame Dash's studio. And it was about this particular person. And I literally, in the rap, I have a rap in the song. I say, the UV on the block sipping Cavarcia up <laughs> because I'm talking about that Negro right there. So, you know, I don't know if you on the block sipping Cavarcia up with your boy for one to two hours every other day. But if you are, I'm sure that's a reason why your homegirl, not your homegirl, right? Not your roommate. That's why your girl is like, nigga, stop. Now you ask, what can I do to compromise with her or should I even compromise? There's my thing. If you live together, compromise should always be a, an option. I believe that. If you live together, it's very rare that I would say that you should have like a hard line. Like, of, of course, there's certain things that like, you know, like I would have a hard line about someone like doing drugs in my home, but I also, you know, don't, I'm not with somebody that does drugs, but like, if you are with somebody that is an addict, like, you know, you may have to make a hard line. Like, you know, you can't, you can't do drugs in the home. Um, so there are certain things that I feel like you have to have hard lines about, but this, I feel like, you know, it's worth having a conversation about like, why does that make you uncomfortable? And that's really what it boils down to having these conversations with each other that start with, how do you feel right now? How does that make you feel? And actually genuinely giving a damn about how it makes the other person feel. Because you can get to where you need to get to when you understand someone's feelings. It's a lot harder to do it when it feels like they're scolding you. And that's a big lesson that you learn living with somebody is that expressing your displeasure does not work when you do it as a demand. But I'm up! Next question. Should I feel like living together should lead organically to marriage? I'm 29 and been living with this dude for three years. Is it normal to expect that to happen? I mean, I guess within our, you know, Western society, that's normal to expect that to happen. However, I, we did an episode called Side Effects of Expectations. And if he is not aware that this is an expectation of yours, then I would suggest that you make it aware. Like, there's so many different rules that people have for how they live. Some people would be like, oh my gosh, you call, I mean, how are you living together if, if you're not married? You know? So there's all these different rules that everyone lives by and relationships come and go. You're 29. You're young, you know, like that's, you know, living together with someone from 26 to 29, that's a very large leap in terms of maturity. Like you're not the same person you were when you all met. Um, that being said, the next three years is a whole other leap because now you join it in your 30s. And I don't know how old this person is. But when you guys are having conversations about your future, does he expect that to happen? Um, 
<laughs> like that's something that should absolutely be expressed if that's what you are expecting. Now, if that's something that you don't want to happen, you still need to express that because maybe that person thinks that's going to happen. And you're like, what? what? I never wanted to get married. I just think at the end of the day, like being transparent is the best option for a lot of a lot of stuff. And when you're living together, it's like you 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 need to be able to be transparent because who wants to feel um, who wants to feel like they're kind of like strategizing at home? You want to be able to feel free in your space. You want to be able to feel, you want to be able to feel like you can talk and that comes from creating a safe space. And that is really like the, the key thing that I know that I'm learning and have learned in living together is that if you don't have a safe space in your home, then neither of you are going to feel good about being there. Next question. How do you avoid the monotony of familiarity and routine? I mean, I just think that in general, like, it's effort. And I know that people say things like, relationships should be easy. And I'm like, who the fuck are y'all? Like, the, the only ease that I think that should come in a relationship is the ease with which you decide what effort you're going to put in. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. There's always going to be effort in a relationship. It should not go to a stress. Once a challenge turns to a stress, then we have another conversation to have. But ultimately, like, why do you think that two people who have two completely different backgrounds, who, um, even if you have same backgrounds, you're still two completely different human beings with different atoms built together. And, you know, you have a whole different expression of how you live your life and histories and DNA, et cetera, et cetera. Why would it be like easy um, to just boom, come together? Listen, the only people I know that have had these like super duper easy, like matrimonial type relationships are just super duper easy going people. But I don't know a lot of super duper easy going people. Because if you even have a brain and you're an independent woman, particularly, particularly. you easy going isn't necessarily like your thing. Now, it doesn't mean that you're difficult. It just means that when I say easy going, it means that like, you know, you're here for whatever. And, you know, for what it's worth, like if you're an independent woman, like you're not here for whatever. You're here for things that make sense to you. And that is not always easy for someone else to be able to deliver. Now. Circling back, I digress. In terms of how do we break monotony? Effort. You got to be thoughtful about it. And you have to make like actual intentional choices that create moments. And that does not mean it's not organic. And that does not mean that it's unnatural. It just means that you're an adult and you have things going on and you have a schedule. And you should be able to tell your partner, like, hey, can you plan a date for us? And they should be able to be like, yeah. You know, and you should be able to tell your partner, like, hey, I have a date planned for us. It's going to be on this day, this time. Are you available? Yeah. And I know you're probably listening to me and being like, oh, my God, that sounds so stiff. And it's like, yeah, but I'm, you know, if you're a grown-ass motherfucker, like, your yo schedule be stiff. And don't let y'all have kids. That's a whole other thing. Some people's version of breaking monotony is role-playing. Some people go on trips. You know, some people, um, they, you know, some people, it doesn't require all of that. They're just like, yo, let's go, let's eat out instead of eating in. But whatever the case is, is that it really has to be considered. 
And it's not something that's just going to happen unless you actually make it happen. These are fun. All right. Someone said, how do you establish alone time without making your partner feel as though they are in your way or interrupting your lifestyle? How do you spend time alone together? Oh, you must be a Pisces. So I will say I am a cancer. I do not need alone time. Okay. Like if I like you, I don't need to be apart from you. And that's a cancer trait. Like we are loners with who we want in our space. (laughs) So once I let you in the shell, you could be right up next to me. And I'm like, this is fine. This is great. Now, not everybody's like that. Some people need alone time and it can make the partner, their partner who may not need alone time feel like they're being abandoned or like they're being ignored if it hasn't been communicated to them what the alone time is about and that it's not about escape. It's just about solitude. We have an episode about side effects of traveling alone. And in that episode, our gem dropping was um, traveling alone versus traveling for solitude because it's one thing to go somewhere by yourself in order to meet new people. It's another thing to go somewhere by yourself to be by yourself and have that space and time for yourself. And that is very healing. And for a lot of people, that solitude is where they synthesize um, ideas and where they work through difficulties and where they process. And oftentimes, if you're in a relationship, you know, when you're in the mix with somebody and you're somebody that needs that alone time, you may not be the best at processing, you know, your your arguments or your... um, you know, just your little things that you're trying to work through it, while you're in the mix. You may need to step away and, and do that. And so the, communicating that has to be done with compassion and has to be done with patience. And it has to be done with the understanding of letting somebody know that like this alone time is good for both of us. And also though, being respectful of that alone time. Like I had somebody that I was dating that was like, yeah, I need to take a two week break and go on a juice fast and not talk to anybody. And I was just like... Yeah, no, I can't do it. Now, in hindsight, I wonder, in hindsight, I wonder if the intuition I felt was really actually my abandonment issues. I think it was both though, because he turned out to be a piece of shit. Um, Nonetheless, that was not something that could work for me. Like taking a two week break of silence and just being out of this And then I, and then, and by the way, he was like, I mean, I wasn't going to actually not talk to you for two weeks. And that feels manipulative because it's like, well, that's what you told me. So that's what I thought. So it really is about like how you communicate that and then how you show up. Now I know like seeing somebody leave and come back is an amazing thing for somebody who is not a loner because it lets you know, like. They take that alone time, but they also come back. Seeing somebody come back and be happy about coming back. Seeing somebody take the same joy to exit that they do do to enter, it does wonders. So I feel like when you ask, like, how do you establish alone time without making your partner feel as though they're in your way? It's like you have to create the safe space for that. And I know for some people that feels like very arduous and it can feel like, damn, like I'm having a sugarcoat, et cetera. And it's like, okay. If the other person is a fair person and is a part of your relationship in the same way you are, it's worth it. And they'll get there. 
And I've also learned like, it's hard sometimes when you live in certain spaces, because I know like, depending on your living space, you may not have like a lone space, but I was just watching uh, sex in the city and Carrie would come home and Ada would be like, Hey, where you been? What you doing? How you doing? And she was like, listen, when I come home, I need just an hour where I can just decompress and be in my own space. Can you give me that? And then she like went in her bed, like in her bed area and closed the curtain. And she sat there for all of five minutes and then was like, what you doing? Because she realized that she didn't need that space in the way that she thought she did. But I just bring that up because she had a space to go to. She could close the curtain. And if she had needed that space, she had it and her partner was willing to give it to her. So, you know, sometimes it's also creating those spaces in your home. If you have a small apartment and it's hard to do that, maybe kind of get like a Chinese divider, you know, um, something that you can fold and that you can, that doesn't like feel permanent. Maybe it's about getting like, you know, a bead curtain, like you're in the seventies or something, but, uh, some people take bathroom time, you know, and it's like, I'm in this bathroom and this is where I'm at. But whatever it is, it's really just about communicating and having compassion with that communication and letting the other partner know. It's not that your alone time is escape time. Alone time is process time. All right. Does moving in together too soon ruin the relationship? I mean, I guess it just depends, you know, on who you... It depends on who you're moving in with, you know, and where they're at in their life and where you're at in your life. Um, I will tell you what, I think sometimes people move in not because they love each other, but because it makes like economic sense. And so that can definitely hinder, you know, the true merit of the move in. And it can create some dissension that you may not necessarily have expected because ultimately it's not like you're moving in because you like each other, you're moving in because you need each other. And I've always said that operating on need when it comes to relationships is always going to be a bitch because need takes you down a different road. You want, want has freedom attached to it. Need has obligation. And people just don't like feeling obligated. They want to feel like they're making a choice. So I would say, you know, it really depends. I know that I'm at a point in my life, I'm almost 40 and, um, you know, it's time. It was, it was time to, to be in a, in a living together situation. Now, you know, the person that I live with is somebody that I've known for a long time and that I had a relationship with when I was younger. So it's not completely the same as like meeting somebody you didn't know, but I will say this, it's not somebody, it's not so much that it's like, does moving together ruin the relationship? I think at the end of the day, moving too fast has a real burden on a relationship. And, um, you know, the first three months of a relationship are really when you get to see who somebody is. People cannot front after three months. Those three months are when you keep your eyes peeled, when you keep your emotions protected. Not to say that you're not being receptive, but you're just not letting yourself fully grasp onto somebody because they really need to show you who they are. And you're keeping your consciousness really open. Your nerves are, your nerve endings are just really pricked because you need to pick up like, is this an asshole? What kind of asshole is this? Is this somebody that I can manage? Is this somebody who is interested in me in a real way? 
Is this somebody who's actually about what they say they're about? Does this person take critique well? Does this person actually... Um, grow and improve or how are they the same person two and a half months after that they were in the beginning let me tell you something taraji p henson just broke off her engagement and she said she broke it off because she went to couples therapy with her man and nothing was changing and she just was like how are we gonna go get married if you're not applying anything that we are learning in this therapy process that's supposed to improve our marriage. And she cut it off. You know, so you need time to do that. And if you move in together too soon, I feel like it, it can maybe disrupt that. Of course, there's anomalies. But I think for the most part, there's something to be said for just kind of giving each other space before you share space so that you can get a better understanding of how each person moves in the world individually. Okay, let's take one more question. Can we take one more question, Rebecca? Yeah, go for it. Sorry, I started video by accident. <laughs> that was Rebecca! Oh my God, so many good questions, you guys. So many good questions! How do you get on the same page regarding your finances? I want to save for a home, save for future trips, etc. And my partner just spends, spends, spends. Listen, that's a doozy. That's a doozy because it means that you guys don't have the same future goals. And um, if you are planning a future and you don't have the same future goals, then you're not moving along the same path. And and inevitably, you're going to split, um, is my theory. Now, I don't know if you have voiced this to this person. And again, that's the thing. I know so many of us are saying these things in my DMs and you're not saying it to the other person. And you have to. You have to have have a clear conversation with somebody about like, this is what I'm trying to do. Are you trying to do this too? Now, it can be very difficult to have those conversations with cis heterosexual men because there is a certain level of like, you know, tension that happens sometimes when those conversations are being had like right here. So I've had to learn, like you have those conversations in different spaces. You have them when you're, when we're, when you're driving, you know, because there's a certain level of attention being paid to the road that doesn't feel like all this intensity is, is happening in the moment. Um, you have those conversations, you know, usually like it's attached to like some type of activity and, and, and coolness. Uh, when I say coolness, I mean, coolness of vibe in the moment, because, there really is just like this feeling that I think a lot of cisgendered heterosexual men get when you like vo- have conversations like that, that feels like an interrogation. All of a sudden you're on first 48 and they're trying to protect themselves. And you're like, do I need to go get you McDonald's to get you to open up? Like what is it going to take? So, um, and, 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 you know, I know one wants to feel attacked, right? So like, there's maybe a world in which you have this conversation with your partner and if it's a cisgender heterosexual man, man, they may be like, well, you know, I'm just doing my life. I'm just living my best life. And it's like, that's not even the real answer. That's just the, the combative protect my soul answer that's happening in that moment. So how do you create the safe space to have the conversation where you're getting real answers and not those answers? And that's something you're going to have to know about your partner and you and how that works. But I will say that getting on the same page requires clear communication. And talking about money is fucking weird anyway, right? Y'all know that. We talked about that before. Talking about money with somebody can be so icky, you know? And then people get so like, 
just riled up. My my ex, like money was his trigger. If you mentioned anything about money, he became like a whole other person. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. So, you know, it's like, how do you make money a safe space? And we live in this capitalist society where it's like so much of our status, so many, so much of people's um, view of themselves is based on money. So, you know, the question also becomes like, why is they, why are they spending? Are they spending to buy things that make them feel fulfilled? Why? What is the emptiness that they're feeling that fulfills them with those things they spend? I can, I can tell you right now, I keep spending on loungewear. It is unbelievable how much money I have spent on loungewear because I be at home now and I want to look cute at home, but I also want to be comfortable. So I have now like focused so much energy on like that finding clothes that fit into that space. And it's like a goal now. It's a whole collection. But it's fulfilling me because it's making me feel sexy while still feeling cozy. And right now, in this uncertain world, I don't really feel neither. Okay. Find out why they're spending. And that'll probably be your clue to finding out what they want for themselves. And if you're able to synthesize why they're spending into why they should save, voila. You don't got to send me a thank you. I'm already here with you. Let's take one more question just because I think these are so fun. Like totes fun. All right. Living together is such a such a relationship game changer. It's next level and can definitely make a relationship that has otherwise been successful. How do you make decisions on what things to let go and what things to address slash problem solve? And how often is it normal to talk through those things? Ooh, man. Listen, this is my struggle right here. Because there's things that I'd be like, we can't let this go. And my man's like, why not? <laughs> like, I'm like, because I don't want to. And I think that it ends up really being, I know the work that I've been doing is trying to kind of understand why won't I let something go. And doing that work within myself Um and and stillness and and that oh my goodness finding the stillness to not say what you want to somebody who's available to say what you want to listen here y'all that's the work there have been a few times now and i'm very proud of myself where like something bothered me and normally i would have sent a text about it or I would have called and voiced my displeasure about it. But what I did instead was I did that with myself. And then I even wrote it down. And now it was out of me. And so I didn't feel the need to immediately address it. And it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to let it go. But it does mean that I'm going to let the emotion happening in that moment pass. To find out, one, if this is something that really does have like things attached to it that need to be addressed and two to give some space to see if the other person is going to course correct and i have seen this work wonders so much so that i've had to really like completely change the way i deal with things and that's a doozy for anybody, right? Like when someone comes in your life and it makes you completely change how you do things, it can feel like very invasive. It can also feel very freeing. Uh, but it's a, it's like a shock because you're like, oh shit, especially if you're older, you're like, I've been doing this it's the same way the whole time. Maybe shit, I was fucking this up the whole time. But the other part of it is that maybe you weren't fucking it up the whole time, 
but perhaps this is now a person who has created a space for you to make those changes because change requires space to be made. I don't care what nobody say. Like, you know, it's, it's, if, if somebody is just not giving you room to shift, um, there's a pressure applied to you. That's going to keep you kind of feeling like you got to keep moving in the same way you were. And you got to think about that for the other person too. So that space that you're giving for yourself to determine if it's something you want to let go or not is space that you're also giving them to demonstrate if it's something you need to let go or not. And, um, and again, we come back to bottom line, bottom lines and boundaries and, you know, intentions. Sometimes people really just don't have the intention of doing something, but they just keep doing it. So it's like, how do you address that? Um, I've ultimately found that it is normal to talk through certain things. It's just how you talk through them. And I think when we talk about normal, it's also like, what's normal for you? I'm a certain kind of person. My partner knows that there are certain things that are normal for me that may not be normal for somebody else. And I know that about him too. The doozy is that I think what a lot of us do is that we keep trying to protect our normal, which oftentimes infringes upon the other one's normal. And so if you're living together and you are together in a real way, you have to establish a new normal that is for both of you all. Your individual normals are going to start dissolving because you need to establish a new normal for your unit, for you all together. So if that person's normal is to flight and your normal is to fight, you got to find, well, what is the normal for us together? Because when we were in relationships that didn't really matter, we were keeping our individuals normals. And that's why the shit never really worked out. I truly believe that. I mean that in a real way. And a lot of times you'll have one person in the relationship who's still an individual and the other person is doing all of the work to make you a unit, to make you an us and giving all of themselves and draining themselves. You don't want to be in that neither. So a part of the other thing about deciding if something needs to be let go is like voice how something feels to you. I believe like I've, I've gotten a lot of work with this, like voice how something feels to you and then let it go. So voice it, let it be received by the other person and then invite them to address it later once they've like processed it and synthesized it. I learned that in therapy too, so it's legit. These were such good questions, guys. I could have done this forever. People I like. Yeah. This week's People I like is my boo. Obviously, right? Yeah, it's my boo. Because along with other experiences, you know, he's created a space for us to live together and learn together that no other person I've been with has done so in a real way. Now, we went to school together, so we've basically done this in a dorm room with an extra long twin, uh, but not. But again, that's playing house because he had his own room, right? right? So it wasn't like he had to be in my room. But in this new space, um, I'm so far getting the opportunity to, to 
feel like I'm never having to compromise. I'm coming to a consensus. And I don't know if you ever saw, uh, if, I don't know if you ever saw Eartha Kitt's video on compromise, but she's like, compromise. Why would I do that? Why would I compromise? I don't need to compromise for a man. And, you know, it's, it, it's somewhat controversial, but at the end of the day, she's saying like, why would I need to lessen my desires for somebody? And that's a real strong thought process because you're like, so often that's only expected of women and not of men. But the consensus to me is when we both decide this, this decision we're making is good for both of us and doing it in a genuine way, not in a way that's just someone acquiescing to keep the peace. Cause that's where you get emotional abuse in the mix. And so my favorite person, my people I like this week is my boo because I'm watching somebody make effort in the same way that I make effort. And until you see that, you don't really know what that is. I have never, I realize now I have never seen a nigga try before. Never. I realize now, now that I'm seeing it like a 27 inch Zenith, believe it. I have never seen it before. And it's a beautiful thing. And it makes it so much easier for you to try. And the thing about it is that so many of us, particularly independent black women, feel like if we try, we're going to get taken. If we try too hard, we're going to get taken advantage of. We're going to get taken for granted. So we'd be having to hold the reins, hold the reins. And it's because this shit has happened before in real time. And so then you find somebody who's trying and you'd be like, well, I ain't going to put it out there yet because, and then now you stood in the way of your blessing. So when people actually give you space to take your cape off and to try as well as be soft, it's a beautiful thing and not enough, particularly cis, I'm just speaking particularly to my relationship, not enough cisgendered heterosexual men even know how to do that or are willing to learn how to do that. So yeah, that's my people I like. It's someone I love. That, that one, one time. time. <laughs> now that one time that I was in a situation that was the opposite of that people I like was when I was playing house. Now I played house with Nay y'all for a year. And I know that my mother the whole time was like, oh Lord, please bless my daughter to get out of this stupid situation. And you know what? The whole time I knew it was some bullshit. Like never let nobody live with you that's not contributing. Never. And you know what it was? I had decided in my mind that what they were contributing to me was companionship and that that was a, ver- that was a worthy um, value exchange. And I know some of y'all are listening right now, like, Oh my God, Amanda, how could you, how could you, how did that happen? That happened because listen, I got daddy issues. You know, I was in hip hop. Um, so I wanted to feel safer. I was in New York, same thing. And I was lonely. I was lonely. And that's why loneliness is dangerous. And that's why we have to work on not being lonely, but being alone. Because that experience is what forced me to have to learn how to feel alone. Alone in solitude felt different than lonely. Because alone in solitude felt like a choice. And it felt rooted. And it felt um, freeing. And it felt strong. Lonely feels empty. It feels abandoned. And it feels hollow. And then you start filling it with shit that isn't necessarily good for you. 
like this ex-person that I was seeing back in 2012 who was just playing house. And then at one point I was say, I was like, you know, I, I, I really would like you to contribute to the home. And this Negro was like, I don't even like your apartment. Blah! Y'all, I lived in a two floor duplex that I luckily had really cheap rent on because it was just a humbug that I found it. But he literally was like, I don't want to contribute to rent because I don't even like it here. Then niggas stop. Like, why are you? Oh my God. Just thinking about it gets me irritated. (laughs) But you know, it was, it was like, he didn't have anywhere in New York to stay and he was getting on his feet. And I'm thinking that I'm being the, down ass chick and thus this person will honor that and they didn't and they never did and i've said it before they still owe me money off of that and never again would i put myself in that situation without being honest about what i expect someone to contribute and they should be able to receive that and move on it without feeling like they're being inconvenienced or you're they're being pressured And the other part of it is that then you get resentment. You play house with somebody, then they start to resent you for letting them be in your space because now they feel like you can kick them out at any time. And now they feel like they don't have any real ownership here. And, you know, they don't. That's true. They don't. But that shit gets in the way too. If somebody don't got their shit at your place for real and they not contributing for real and y'all aren't like washing the dishes and making sure that shit is clean and, you know, doing things for real. They need to be making the bed too. They need to be contributing to cleaning as well. Not just living there and fucking you and eating the food you cooking. I know some of y'all are in that situation right now. And I know some of you are in that situation because you are lonely, but I want you to think about and consider shifting because that person is mooching and you think they're giving to you by being there because you're lonely. And eventually it's going to feel like the same emptiness because what they're actually doing is taking. They're taking, they're exhausting you. They're draining you. By the, by the end of that relationship, my friends told me that I literally looked gaunt. I looked gaunt. I looked like a dementor had sucked my soul out because they had, <laughs> But we made it through. We got to the other side. The lesson was learned. And it's, um, it's all a part of life, learning these lessons. Ain't it? And by the way, that nigga went and lived with another chick right after. Mm-hmm. You knew it was going to go down like that. The last dose. Living together. Such a beautiful thing. In these days and times, it can create a, a space of certainty and um, structure that a lot of us are really like craving considering these times. And I think that ultimately, though, I know a lot of my listeners are cisgendered heterosexual women. But regardless of your gender identity, et cetera, if you're living with somebody, I can't stress enough how important it is to understand that it becomes an us conversation. 
And that can be really difficult, particularly if you've been on your own forever and handling your biz and taking care of your shit and doing your thing. The us conversation is one that doesn't necessarily always have to be happening in the open. It's sometimes just happening in your mind. What is the best for us? And the other person needs to be thinking the same way. And that can be a rough road to get to because not everybody arrives to the us conversation at the same time. But ultimately, when you do, it's such a great space because you're no longer having to do the heavy lifting of thinking for you, your other person, and then y'all together as a unit. But when you're not doing that, you see it, you notice it. And so many of us don't do that because we are protecting ourselves from being hurt and because we don't want somebody to take us for granted. But the truth of the matter is, if you're going to live together in a space, you got to get open. And if you cannot be open, then perhaps it's not the best thing for y'all to be doing. Until then, live in your own space and learn how to create a space that makes sense for both of you. And then there's a lot of us who in this new day and age are women that have men moving in with us. And that could be a whole other different vibe too. And it can definitely make a lot of folks feel emasculated or hurt their egos, et cetera. But I'm gonna tell y'all what I told somebody. You know, once upon a time, we were tricked into thinking that men's value was merely in just how they can provide monetarily. And it's not to say that that is not important because it is. But if you can only provide monetarily and you cannot provide insight, you cannot provide emotional support, you cannot provide mental stimulation, you cannot provide physical presence and quality time. If your only contribution is your monetary value, I just don't find you valuable. These are different times. And so we have to think differently and we are hoping to attract partners that think differently as well, because we have been duped to believe for many of us that living together means someone has to get small. And I do not believe that. I think both people can live their whole selves and create a whole new world for both of you to live in. A podcast network.